The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 368 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fest, joined as always by the Mr. ASMR himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? I uh, I know I've been getting into keyboards. I have one now as wireless. and it's. I've been getting into keyboards? Yeah. It's Nick. been like over the past, like it's been like three months. Oh, no, 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 no. Lies. I have seen you show me keyboard stuff when I lived in New York. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. There was like, there was a, I was into it and then I just stopped. I thought I had it and then I realized how wrong I was in like October. And now I understand it completely in a way I never even thought I could comprehend mechanical keyboards. And I have peaked. Do you you've never peaked? Do you want to do you want to tell people your secret about this or no? Not yet. You want to wait until what, later to tell them. Do you want to tell them about your secret ASMR keyboard channel? You have a whole Twitch channel dedicated no, to I'm, ASMR I'm keyboards. This right now, so you don't want to tell them yet? No, okay, we don't have to tell them. I, we don't want to tell I, them. We don't have to. I got a quarter key 65, mm-hmm. uh, the round two with the mirror back. It's gorgeous. It's lovely. It sounds perfect. Love it. And no I, one listen, understands. I'd be surprised if one person understood that. <laughs> sure. I, I don't understand the gobbledygook that you're making up. You could be making up names like we did a couple podcasts ago. But <laughs> I will say, I do enjoy the ASMR aspect of it. You were yeah, playing we that gotta, keyboard we for move me. On. We got it. You know what? You've lasted two minutes into this podcast. Thank you so much. We've got pictures to talk about. We have one fewer because we talked about one of them last podcast. Yeah. And we're going to go into it um, fast. Any last thoughts here about the Gosman Bieber stuff or anyone from the top 10, 20 that we talked about? No, I mean, I hate to I hate to start it off this way, but we did we did a really good conversation at the end of episode number 367 about those two guys. Um, so go go listen to to that because it was really fascinating. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that podcast because I think yeah, we just really fun. got into the nitty gritty of a lot of these dudes. And I, I do want to say, though, before we dig into 21 through 30, because we have an additional like minute or so with one fewer pitcher to handle, um, you seem, you know, things are the 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 rankings seem a little more fluid. You seem a well, little bit yeah. more 
I mean, normally unsure. I don't actually talk about them until it's February 7th, the launch, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I generally need more time. It's one of those things where you see it in season with the list every week. I make an initial ranking, then I stare at it and I change it. Yeah. Right. But that's a lot easier because I'm just changing based on a week and I already have all the preconceptions and everything. And this is that work. This is that understanding of every pitcher and what their ability means for the entirety of the season. Then the season starts and it has anything changed. Have they done anything different than we uh, understood before the season? And that's what those tweaks are with the list every week. But I need to establish them, reestablish them again. And uh, normally you guys don't see this part, <laughs> but because we're doing these podcasts a little bit early, we want to do a lot more of a nuanced approach instead of skipping over some guys. We want to actually nail down all of the top 100 and then actually we're going to have some extra ones past that. We needed to start them earlier. We can't just do them all in February, um, in March, unfortunately. So that means I'm showcasing a little bit of the malleability of these rankings and I believe I used that word right. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, thank you. Oh, good. Whew. Haven't used it mm. in a while. Mm. But yeah, it's I. Uh, I think I got it. But I do apologize if I we're talking about them now and I effectively tweak it a little on so, February seventh. But to the anal analysis, the analysis is still going to be the same for the most that's, part. If there's something different, I will highlight it in that blurb. That's why, I, uh, why we were talking earlier about like, oh, God, I'm not sure. And that was kind of the crux of like why I don't really necessarily mind about where they are in the top 30, because you're going to hear the analysis. You're going to hear the rationale. And hopefully you guys are making up your own minds about where you think these pitchers should go. That That's best for you. I want to say this too. One last thing before we move on. I was thinking about this a little bit later. Uh, like. Oh, follow along with me on this hypothetical. If you didn't sure. draft, if you yeah. didn't draft any pitchers. OK, oh boy. And you, if you didn't draft any, like you were allowed in this league to only take hitting spots and uh -huh. and maybe like relievers. Okay, maybe. Do you think that you could win a league just off the waiver wire? I, I wonder if I could do something where it's a, it's a five by five roto where I'd make a deal if I automatically have 12 points in saves. <laughs> but I can't I can't draft a single starting pitcher. So that well, would be the deal. That you automatically have saves locked up? Yeah. So that I can use all my pitching spots just to try and catch up in uh, pitching ones. I, I think my, my point is, though, like you obviously every year you have a, a great piece based off of something that you've you know talked about it first pitch before where it's like these are all of the pitchers that you could have gotten off the waiver wire who were like right. top 30 guys. Right. Yeah. And I you know, we you and I both stress a lot over what our top 100 is going to be. We pour over each aspect of these pitchers. And sometimes it's good to remember that, like, you know, I was just thinking if we wait like if we weight our approaches in the incorrect way where it's like what we should be waiting and you, you do this, but like, I wonder if we can go even further about like, these are the guys that you need to try and get right away because the draft doesn't really matter. It's like you always say, you're not playing in a best ball. You're, you're in a league where you right. can go and get these pitchers off the wire. It's like, I wonder if we should be putting more of an emphasis on like each week, these guys are under 30% owned and that needs to stop right now because this right. is how you're going to so win we, Yeah, we should do that on our on our podcast a bit. We'll add that little segment at the beginning. I think that's a good idea. 
Um, we yeah. obviously do have elements on the site that do highlight them, my daily streaming ranking. So it's always sure, yeah. under 20%. You'll see that. You'll see in the roundup where I'll emphasize that we also have our under 15% roster at a waiver wire piece on Mondays. Um, one thing I'm going to try is at least one of the mock drafts. If you guys don't know, starting in February, every week I do host a mock draft mm-hmm. uh, for the staff to participate in, also PL Plus members and Twitch uh, supporters as well. And I often try and do different things. I had the Wheel of Doom last year um, that I had to spin every other round. But I'm going to do a draft once that is legitimately I don't draft a starter until I have a full lineup mm-hmm. in two closers. And just see what that looks like and see, like, can I plan for this? I think the the experiment of, hey, what if I do a league where I don't have any starters outside of the draft, out of the draft, right? I don't have any. That won't work um, because what will still happen is the wave of the wave of free agent pitchers. I'm just going to be too hurt. I'm just going to be too far behind, I think. And sure, I think by the middle of the season or so, I'll stabilize to some degree i'd still be slightly behind but i'd still i'd likely get one or two of the really good ones and so on at the same time i'm it's too late so you can't do it completely on it it puts you over the edge that's my whole point about it Uh, but you can't just go full out into it i don't think yeah the big reason to it doesn't really work out is because there are other people vying for those (laughs) Pictures yeah. on the waiver wire. Um, all right. We've had a, a good amount of conversation about that. I'm glad we did because it was kind of interesting to me. We're going to jump in uh, to 21 through 30. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to skip number 21, who is Shane Bieber, as we had a really good conversation about him at the ending of the last podcast, episode number 367. So go check that out. I don't think we need a new tier name because we introduced the tier beforehand uh, right. in the it past was one. Kevin Feige, the real, the, the story behind the cape. Yeah. So I already have a new tier for number 25 um, and we'll get to that when that happens. But for now we can, we can dive into number 22 on your list. And that is Zach gallon. Um, now, obviously everyone knows that we're all gallon gals over here. Um, you know, on the surface, unbelievable second half with the kind of sub 1.5 ERA. I think it was like a 1.49 ERA in the second half. What were you seeing from Zach Gallon? It's interesting. Gallon to me is a kitchen sink pitcher that happened to go on this ridiculous run of 136 ERA, 0.72 whip and a 33% K rate across this, his final 73 innings of the year. And that included uh, a refusal to allow a run in 41 frames. Uh, last season and gallon before then was kind of what we expected 331 era 104 whip 23 percent k rate 7 percent walk rate sure the whip is a little bit on the lower end there but that's kind of the zach gallon i expect and i really do like him for for this year because he's another one of those get you lots of volume good amount of strikeouts good ratios pitchers and there's a part of me that wants to even throw him into that Zach, uh, sorry, that Max Freed, Julian Urias, Julia Urias tier. Yeah. Or that grouping. Um, and I might ultimately do that. I think my biggest concern about Gallon is I don't know how much I love the entire repertoire. I mean, it's one of those, some of the parts um, repertoires where the four seamer gets a lot of called strikes, 24% called strike rate, 32% CSW is really good. Limits hard contact, 25% hard contact, only a 165 batting average allowed, which is really nuts when you think about that. 
Yeah. Um, and he's not like a giant strikeout guy in this. It's an under a third strikeout rate with the with fastball. Um, that should go up, I would imagine. It's ex Babip was about 40 points higher. Uh, but still, it's a very good fastball. He dots it well. Um, and then he usually just pairs it with the curveball. He gets a lot of strikes. It limits a lot of damage on it. He keeps it down. That's one of the things that we'll emphasize a lot is his low location. He's so good on the curveball. 81%. In the bottom third of the zone or lower. And for most guys, average, league average, a curveball is a 61%. Now you think, of course, all of the all breaking balls are down. That's where they're supposed to be. Well, yeah, but this is the heavy majority. That's four out of five thrown, not three out of five. And that's a big difference um, yeah. over a full season. So really, really good with that. Does the same thing with the changeup. 79% low lock versus the average of 65%. So in many ways, Zach Gallen kind of is a nibbler. Um, he is with his secondary stuff. The the curveball and changeup both have sub 40% zone rates. But to see that 64% strike rate on the curveball, despite that low zone rate, is showing you, hey, he's getting that O-swing, 45% O-swing on it. Um, and when he throws in the zone, as I mentioned, the guys are not hitting it too hard. It's a really, really great pitch for him. The cutter is something that I hope develops a little bit further. To me, I think that is one of the times where he can fall behind, where Gallon throws these these uh, cutters that, yeah, sure, has a 66% strike rate, but a little bit too hittable. It's a very low CSW on it, 17.5%. Hmm. So guys are getting the bat on this one. It's not that cutter that you want always to have that contact on it. 291 Woba is good, but 250 average. I, I think it's something that opens the door for damage. Um, at times for Zach Allen. So overall, I think he's a solid pitcher. The fastball, it's a call strike pitch, right? It's not this mm. swing and miss offering, but he doesn't try and do it with that. It's very good, and it, it should continue to be very good. Um, we've also seen Zach Allen fall apart a little as the season, uh, sorry, as the innings go on, sixth inning or so. He's one of those guys that I've seen a lot that go five innings strong, all of a sudden allows forward runs, and everyone goes nuts. Uh, it could be a product of his mentality, which I generally do like, which is throw everything in the first inning, uh, be a closer in the first inning and get out that first, which is meaning that you're going to throw all the things all the time, which I think is a good mentality, honestly. Um, also really good that he dropped his walk rate. Zach yeah. Allen had a 9% walk rate down to a 6.6. And I, I like it overall. I think it's very good. And I might I might be pushing it above Bieber. I might be pushing it above Gosman um, in the end. Um, because I do like the the overall approach. It's just that Gosman has the splitter that Gallon doesn't have. Yeah, Bieber has his breaking balls, which Gallon doesn't have. They're very good, but nothing is truly elite inside of this, which is why I'm hesitant. But neither does Max Freed, and I'm I'm favoring him a lot. So yeah, it's also a more winning club there for Max Freed. Um, I also think that without the shoulder stuff in the beginning of the year, Gallon would have gone 33 starts or whatever instead of 31, 184 mm -hmm. innings would have been closer to 195 and so on. So I think he's great. I think he's really part of that six, seven, eight um, round targets that I was talking about before with if Gallon is USB two, you should be really happy with that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he'll be on a lot of teams. I imagine for me this year. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting too is, you know, a few things kind of stuck out for me with him. Um, first year that Brett Strom was his pitching coach. Um, we saw an increase in the curveball usage and guys, mm. it was a ground ball machine 
for him last year. I mean, a lot of ground balls. He had a 58% ground ball rate in his curveball last year, which is way above average. Um, and I believe a career high for him. Um, he also, uh, guys just got on top of it a lot. Uh, I mean, I think it was like fifth or sixth overall in terms of uh, top rate, which is how, you know, it's a weak amount of contact guys just getting on top of the ball. Um, that kind of, you know, you're looking at these numbers and you know that regression is coming, right? Because you're not going to be able to put together a 41 inning, you know, no earned run sample size again. So it's just a matter of tempering how much the Babbitt falls, right? And the contact that he was able to get with the curveball kind of leads me to believe that it may not be a, as severe as a fall as possible. Now, the home runs are going to um, maybe jump up. I think it actually was one of the most home run friendly parks in all of baseball last year. Uh, well, might have even led baseball in, in home I, runs a lot. I should also mention the defense for the Diamondbacks was way better than we expected. So that was the last point I was actually going to make, actually. Of which is right. that I should not have cut you off. It's all good. Uh, the, the defense was the best defense in all of baseball last year. I mean, literally the best by outs above average. It was markedly better now. But that isn't something that usually stay like uh, is year over year, like a sticky kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, listen, it's a cop out to say he's not going to have a two five ERA again. It's just a matter of like, OK, is it going to fall here? Is it going to fall here? Is it going to fall right. here? To me, it falls in line with with the Sierra. It doesn't like I, I'm all about getting 190 innings of a 332 ERA, a 330 ERA. Uh, I, I agree that there I don't know where the necessarily necessarily the step forward is for K percentage there. But like, listen, like you said, if you're getting 190 innings of a 20%, 27% K rate with a low three ERA, that's that's 200 plus K is right around it. Um, you know, like you said, you could knock them a little bit for the wins. To My last point, I don't know if I see the same ability for him to take a step forward in Ks as I do with a guy like Freed. Like maybe I'm digging mm-hmm. too much into what I think he can do with the changeup. Um, and maybe the counterpoint to that is, well, Gallon has done it with the changeup before, right? I mean, but I think it's, he, it's the larger 20- sample size. A rate forever. What? Say it again. He's had a 26% K rate forever. Gallon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the like, because I was looking back, the the changeup used to be more of a swing and miss pitch. It was like twenty percent plus swing strike right. rate. That used to be a bigger thing, and the and the cutter also had more of a presence than it does now. Yeah, but now over a full season, over a hundred plus innings, that wasn't sustainable for him. I think it's a good right. ranking. I can understand if you wanted to move him up in that tier. That does make a lot of sense of guys who are not going to hurt your. Um, your ratios. I see myself kind of targeting him a lot because I he's almost like the the guy that you get in the first round that's an offensive player that's going to contribute on four out of five or if not all five categories aside from maybe wins which you can't predict anyway. And I like that because then you can take risks a lot more later sure. on, which I now, think. I, I, slight pushback on the wins you can't predict just because uh, Rob Silver made a really good point at first with Arizona being like, look, there are some teams that just don't get wins and there's some teams that get a ton of wins. And it does make me steer a little bit more towards guys that we think will. The Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. fine. 12 and 4 last year for Zach Allen. Um, I don't really think it's ma- a, a ding for him. They could get better on the offensive side as more prospects come up. Corbin Carroll, full year, et cetera. Um, but I, I will say that Max Fried should have more wins. And so would Julio Urias than Zach Allen, which is a little bit of a separator. You can make an argument with Alec Manoa, too, there. I think I might be putting Gallon right next to Cease. I don't know if above or below um, at this point. 
but uh, that's I believe that's at 18 um, where Cease is. And then uh, I think that's right. It's really close. Um, or maybe do I have Cease above the the other ones? I don't remember. It's so fluid, y'all. Okay. Uh, but I think I will have them above Gallon. Uh, sorry, Galsman and, and Bieber in the end of the day. I think the others are just riskier than I want them to be. Thus, I need to be a little bit safer with Gallon. And by the way, to the defensive point, his Babbitt was 237 last year. X Babbitt 263, um, mm. according to our X Babbitt. Um, but I, that's still really good, and that's fine. Yeah, he's not gonna have a 5.9 hit per nine. We know that. No, like no. you want if you get under seven, you're like, oh boy, this is great. So you'll probably see that. You'll probably see the whip closer to one. That's all good. Uh, it was indeed the best NL park for home runs last oh, year. Um, usually more fitting to do a three-year rolling average for those, but I think they got the humidor either last year or the year before, so that three-year rolling average might not be wholly accurate, but I think it's safe to say that going into next year, it will indeed be a very good uh, home run park. We've gotten through one guy, kind of one and a half, but before we move on to 23 through 30, we're going to take a quick break. I'm so proud. Alex Fast, I am so proud of you. I didn't even get an opportunity to steal that ad break from you. <laughs> I, I saw it and I ran with it. Oh I ran gosh. with it. You've come so far. So far. Thank you very much. Uh, let's move <laughs> on to number 23. You, uh, Darvish, um, was looking at... You know, guys who have a lot of great stuff plus pitches, and I believe you, Darvish, has four uh, of them. Uh, sorry, not stuff plus pitches, um, pitching plus pitches. Um, a lot of uh, 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 elite things in that arsenal, obviously, going to be another year uh, with a team where we're really, in all likelihood, probably not going to have to worry about wins considering how loaded that lineup is. Good 310 ERA last year. Nice uh, bounce back from the, you know, I don't want to say disaster, but plus four ERA that we saw in 2021. Is this another one of those yo-yo years from a guy that I used to get so frustrated with because of his lack of inconsistency? Or do you think he can put up back-to-back low three ERA seasons? I hope so. You know what's a really fun game? Uh, If you remove the first two games of the year, which is the second had nine earned runs to the Giants... Darvish had a 279 ERA and a .91 WHIP with a 26% K rate across 186 innings after. Wow, like that's yeah, that's I know, dang it's... good, right? His IPS was closer to seven frames than six as well. Um, he hit 200 strikeouts. He's going to pitch for a winning ball club. I I, I recognize completely the volatility of Darvish. It's something we've been talking about since the very beginning of this podcast. And it isn't going away because he's not very good at locating his four-seamer. You um, Darvish throws it a ton in the middle of the plate. His YM lock is too dang high, um, 29%, especially against lefties. That goes up. And it bothers me because it can get whiffs when it's up. It really, really mm. can. We've seen it before from him. We saw a 15% swing strike rate in 2021 with that four-seamer from Darvish. And he just brought it down more, and it was worse. Um, the cutter is really the big question mark to me. He just throws that thing into the zone. 72% strike with a 59% zone rate and says, look, I think it's really good. So do your worst. And guys often tee off on it. Yeah. Uh, near 300 average allowed for Darvish's cutter last year. The slider though is really good. And I kind of want him to throw more sliders. 
Yeah. Um, he gets a lot of strikes on it. Uh, does not allow a lot of hits on it. 184 batting average allowed. 24% hard contact rate overall. Sure, that's fine. Uh, I will take that. And that's really it. Um, I think the real reason you see the K percentage drop is because of hyper-reliance on the cutter instead of that slider. The splitter really fell off. He doesn't really use it too often. Uh, it is devastating to lefties when he does throw it and feature it. But it only, overall, only 7% usage. And uh, the way I see it is that, yeah, Darvish is going to be good. Is it, Are the home runs going to catch up to him again? I don't know. I, it might, you could make an argument that the dead end ball helped Darvish more than anyone. Maybe that's true. Um, you know about home run rates fast, so who knows? Um, I mean, maybe they aren't sticky because the ball keeps changing. That's what, that's literally, yep, that's what right? I definitely think it is. So, I definitely think it's a huge part so of it. The ball, so do you think then Darvish's home run rates go up? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just no way of predicting it. I mean, this is kind of, it's a little bit of a cop-out, but look, even if you look at you Darvish's pitch arsenal year over year, there's never consistency there. There's just yeah. a lack of pure consistency, and that's just so incredibly maddening to me. I think it's one of the reasons why I'm like kind of staying away from him too. Like we talked a little bit in the podcast yesterday about like, it's almost futile to do this because guys make tweaks over the off season, and we don't know what's going to happen when they come with those new tweaks. And you Darvish just makes tweaks all the time. Like you just don't genuinely know what you're going to get out of him. You don't know what the slider usage is going to be. Then obviously, yeah, sure. You're going to say that about any pitcher. There are guys you're just not sure what they're going to do. But with him, it just seems more so. And I just don't know if I want to deal with that headache. Yeah, that's that's why I have him lower than Bieber and Gosman, right? Mm, yeah. But, but the thing is, Darvish was really good. And, and, and this was, is yeah. this is kind of my point is that there are so many guys like Darvish. It's pretty much it's Bieber, it's it's Gallen, it's Freed, it's Urias, Darvish. There's Nola in there. Um, you could say Castillo's there. I mean, can you make a case of the next guy who's it's Joe Musgrove? Yeah, and there are all of these like 180 strikeout per inning good ratio guys that will get you lots of wins, and that's really valuable. And we shouldn't really try to pick apart who the best one is sure but just recognize because there it's so deep that you don't need to spend a fourth rounder on that like you used to uh you can wait and you get these really really solid arms and what i why i like to focus on them more than the others and going for say like garrett cole or or something along those lines is generally if you were to spend the capital to get garrett cole um, you likely aren't jumping back into the pool in time for Darvish or so. I mean, you could. Mm -hmm. You could go like second round Cole and then sixth round Darvish. That, that I'm not saying that, that that isn't a thing. But to make it your three starters, I feel like you'd be in too much of a hitting um, uh, hole at that point. Like you, you need to be able to, to jump more in hitting at that point. So like what you can do is if you get three of these that are all potential 200 strikeout guys, like you're going to be just fine, let me tell you. And uh, there are a lot of interesting strikeout guys if you really feel like you need another push um, that are in even the top 30 or really 30 to 40, even 40 to 50 that we'll talk about when you be able to make that difference. So, I mean, it's just another one. It's like, yeah, you're going to start Drew Darvish the entire year. Sure, it's going to be kind of wild. Look, the second start of the year last year was nine earned runs yeah. for you, Darvish. It's going to happen, but then it won't, and it's going to be great. 
wonder if there's anything to it. I mean, I genuinely don't know. It seems like he lost a tick of velo at the end of the year. Uh, in mm. September, it was down to 94 as opposed to 95. Oh, it's like jumped me. up on to, a. Yeah, I meant to mention Gallon gained some velocity in the four seamer. Yeah, that's a, a that, yeah, that is a big it one. Didn't matter Maybe too that much, is. but it was kind of cool. No, that's true. I wonder if that does come with, or as a result of, I should say, the fact that you know there's 194 innings from him. This is a, the highest innings total of his since mm. 2013, right? Like, I wonder if oh, that's boy. where we started to see a little bit of it. I know it's kind of crazy, and that's the other part of the conversation too. I mean, like you got 194 last year, 166 the year before, like. This isn't a guy who's necessarily a lock. I mean, uh, listen, I'm belaboring the exact same point over and over again. For me personally, there's a lot of inconsistency there. I hear exactly where you're coming from when it comes to Darvish. Yeah. I mean, we're on the same page about it a lot. Um, Again, the aces of dubs. Yeah. Uh, That's really the point here. We have one more left fast. Yeah. Who is that? Is, is, we're going to stay in the same city. We're going to stay there. Unbelievable. We're, we're not traveling far. It's Mr. Joe Musgrove. Mr. Joe, Joe Musgrove. It's not Joe Mr. Musgrove. It's Joe Musgrove. No. It's like it's a J apostrophe. Like it's French. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're, we're rounding out the, the ace of dubs here. Um, so two things. One, uh, remind people who might not be familiar with the ace of dubs is. And two, uh, let us know why Joe Musgrove is at the end of that ace of dubs tier. Well, there are 24 aces of dubs who I think are a step above everything else. And it's much deeper than usual. Uh, this is the last one. But Joe Musgrove, I mean, he's kind of good for 180 innings. And uh, ERA, that's going to be good. Uh, 293 last year for Musgrove, 318 the year before that, 108 whips the past two years. The strikeout rate came down to 25%. It was 27% in 2021. But it just feels like Musgrove has enough in this. I um, I think he should throw a slider more. 24% usage last year. Got enough strikes with the 64% that he can continue to do is not walk the entire team. 34% CSW is excellent. Uh, 16% hard contact rate. He, he does a great job with it. Tons of low lock on it. 74% is mm, beautiful. The four-seamer is the issue in my book. It's always been the problem uh, for Musgrove. I mean, maybe not back in the day with the Pirates when he was doing Sinker City. But it gets too many of these grooved-in heaters. 70% strike rate. So many of these are, are YM lock or just comfortably in the zone. He doesn't elevate effectively. And I I worry about it. He got away with it a bit. 230 average last year. 292 well, but 23% hard contact rate. But I feel that Musgrove could unlock something more if he actually elevates with intent. Tries to do his teammate's blueprint. That is the Blake Snell blueprint. And really goes down with those uh, sliders and curveballs. And really pairs it up with that fastball stuff. Just getting it over. Um, the cutter also had some issues. 32% hard contact on it for Musgrove's cutter. Not great. Wasn't a big swing strike rate pitch at 6.5%, but he got a lot of those strikes, 31% CSW. Um, it, it's, it all is good as a kitchen sink thing. Curveball, slider, yeah. cutter, and four seamers. Combined, it's just about 30% fastballs, which is really nice to see. I think it's all great, but it's not... I don't think he's figured out the Bieber way yet hmm. of how to really get the most out of his slider and his cutter. Guess what the swing strike rate is on his highest swing strike rate pitch? Um, the high, Let's say 18%. Yeah, it's under that. It's 16.4 on his slider last year. And on that's really shocking. Yeah. You would think that his slider would get a lot more than that. Uh, it has in previous years. It's 20% in 2021, 24% in 2020, 
for Musgrove slider down to just 16%. It's, yeah. It's O swing went down from 43% to just 36%. So you could make an argument that Musgrove slider is going to get better because, oh, that O swing is just a, a valley and it should improve. It's possible. It very much is. Um, I don't know. I just get more of a sense <clears throat> of very good, not elite from Musgrove. And maybe I'm overlooking this. I, uh, Three, three ERA, 110 whip over 180 innings with the strikeup per inning. I mean, that's, again, what we were talking about before um, with the, just the sturdy starter you're going to throw every five days. So he's inside of this grouping, and it, it's uh, maybe I should put him behind Gallon. I don't know. It's all very, very close. You can make an argument of Musgrove above Darvish because we're talking about the volatility of Darvish. Sure. But I think Darvish honestly just throws more sliders and he has a higher strikeout ceiling um, than Musgrove does. But then again, you could argue he dude only throws 30% fastballs. Like maybe there is a lot more strikeouts to get than the 25%. We've seen it before from him as well. So Musgrove is great. And I think he gets pushed to the side a bit um, and you get them, you get him in the eighth round. <sighs> Wonderful. SB three. Oh my Lorsch Lorsch. Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh. Oh my Lord becomes, Oh my Lord. <laughs> I heard it here first. I, I thought it, I thought it was intentional, and I actually really loved it. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Uh, oh my lord! Uh, yeah, I, I put it I, on a I, shirt. He's another guy that, like, I know it's just, it just seems like so such faux analysis to be like, "Yep, he's going to regress," but like, I just don't see another sub three ERA season for him. Um, I do think it is really interesting that that the whiffs did drop down, right? I mean, it's interesting to see back-to-back seasons of virtually the exact same innings pitch total with the exact same whip um, with a relatively similar ERA and a relatively similar BABIP and a literal identical left on base percentage. And then just to see a, a, a two or 3% drop in, in K's. I wonder if he was like, you know, he had one of the higher contact percentages of his, uh, not of his career, but his highest since 2019, his uh, penultimate year with Pittsburgh. And I wonder if he was like making a play towards more weaker contact. I mean, the, the curveball got, hit harder, which is, I wonder if that's why maybe we saw a little bit more of the drop in usage from him. Um, the, you know, the, the slider wasn't as good in terms of uh, getting whiffs overall as well. His fastball is so, so interesting because um, if you're looking at it by results, there it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, last year he had the best um, for Seymour Woba of his career at 280. He started to elevate at the top of the zone more, but Usually when you see that, you see high spin efficiency, you see good stuff plus, right? He has the exact opposite. He actually has the worst stuff plus of any pitcher with a four-seamer. You know, this is funny. Um, you know, there are things that uh, I wish I could talk about today. Mm. And you'll understand if you watch the beginning of PitchCon next week. Uh, PitchCon, by the way, next Wednesday, uh, January 25th through the 28th raising money for uh, the ALS Association. 100% of what we raise goes to them. And Joe Musgrove, yeah, isn't going to be favorable. (laughs) Mm. Uh, We're talking about Stuff Plus um, and everything. Yeah, Uh, it does not shock me to hear that. Um, A lot, you're going to see a lot of things come out and uh, Musgrove isn't going to be, uh, hmm, how do I put this? Uh, Adored. Um, after sure. it's going to be kind of a sore thumb a bit, but that so that's the thing that I that I like. 
he has succeeded with this. I don't want to say poor fastball because it's not like 280 Woba. It's not a poor pitch. So I wonder if it's something where the amount of gyro that he gets on that four seamer positively impacts the slider cutter combination that he has. And maybe it doesn't do as well for the curveball. But like, this is one of those guys where it's like, is he an exception to the rule? I don't, I would be surprised if this is some sort of ticking time bomb. I don't think that for him. So I'll be curious what those findings are. And there's a lot of uh, additional fun things to, to discuss yeah. with Joe. Musker. He, um, he lost some movement on his slider um, this past year uh, and a little bit with his curveball as well, both lateral movement. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, not getting out of the plate more uh, out of the zone more aggressively. Thus those in ozone dropping. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, swing dropping, not the ozone, which actually has almost finished uh, recreating Feeling? itself. Yes. Oh, wow. That was, was my wonderful. biggest fear in middle school. I know. You know, I, I saw that graphic of the Arctic and the and Antarctica, the, like the red coming out into the continents that we sure, know and yeah, love. Yeah. Antarctica. Antarctica. Oh, my lord. Um, oh, my lord. Let's move on to the next one. Because now we're out we of are- like... The, the quintessential top 24, you can put them in any ranking you want. Now we get, I really think like 25 to 60 is the most interesting part. Not the top yeah. 25, not the final 25. Like in between is where the real fun begins. Without a doubt. And I've got a really great um, uh, new category for you. And I'll tell it to you right after this break. All right, we're in a new tier here. The, the the category for today is very fitting considering the conversation we had earlier. Okay, thank God. Well, Not the other one. Not the same ones before. <laughs> no, no, no. The same ones before. It's it's keyboards. What's a tier five keyboard? A tier five keyboard? <laughs> yeah. What's like a, what's a tier five? What's the one that you're like, it's not the aces, but it's good. Okay. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going uh, completely His different eyes. direction. They light up. It's beautiful. Completely different direction. It's funny. When you say keyboard, I didn't think you meant like typing keyboard. I thought you meant like a piano. Oh, Um, okay. I'm always a musician first, fast. Sure. That's what they always say about you. Yeah, right. So then tier five, like you go through like the the, the Steinway, right? You got that. Um, And uh, you got all like the wonderful things. I would say if we were going to extend this to tier eight, that would be, of course, your guitar. Um, and especially a sparkly purple one, um, Ooh. with, you know, some, some curves and everything in that, but because it's tier five, I'm going to call it the, uh, yeah, I'm going to call it the glockenspiel tier the Glockenspiel because when you're tier. a kid and you're mm. in music class, it's first grade and you're all like, you have the musical instruments in front of you, then you rotate around. I was always eyeing my little five seconds solo on the glockenspiel wow right it is not a top tier piano a keyboard no sure but it's course. represented on the glockenspiel and as you rotate it around they play the little thing we all had to do it and then there's always be like a five second gap where the glockenspiel would get like a solo like hit the hit the random things that would all be in key because it's all in c and that that is what it's like for this tier because these are the ones you're eyeing that you're like okay when I get to this point, who is the one I'm going to be jumping for? Mm. Uh, that was beautiful. That's, that's classic. I, 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 that's classic. I, 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 yeah. Not beautiful. this Marvel film stuff. 
Yeah, well, you 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 decided to bastardize that one, not me. <laughs> um, all right, so then we're going to kick off this Glockenspiel tier. We're going to do our first solo with Nestor Cortez, number 25. The, you know, it's funny. Sure, we talk about the elite four-seamers in, in Strider. We talk about Christian Javier. But guess who's right behind him? It's, it's nasty insane. Nestor Cortez. Yes. Unbelievable. It, the the four-seamer is just that good. Yeah. And that, that's really what I've just come to terms with. Is that Nasty Nestor Cortez has an incredible four seamer that we should not be undervaluing. And then you throw in the fact that he's a Yankee, where mm-hmm. they're going to get wins there. The fact that he has a solid cutter um, as well. By the way, against the lefties last year, this is my favorite set I think about Cortez. 19% swing strike rate against lefties with a four seamer. That's unbelievable. And guess how much he threw it? 47% of the four. Yeah, he probably threw it a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's insane. He has a cutter that he was able to get a ton of strikes with as well, jamming them inside. Um, sometimes backdoor with it against lefties, but mostly inside. Uh, 125 batting average allowed on that. Then he also has a, a slider that could get better. It's a low strike rate on it. Um, only 28% CSW, but they he didn't allow any damage on it. Um, so it's kind of one of those, all right, two strike pitches, 48%, sorry, 46% against the lefties uh, in two strikes counts with that. So as a lefty, to be able to dominate right-handers is such a valuable asset because you're going to be seeing a ton of them Yeah. if you're a lefty, right? And generally, you're going to see more righties, but sometimes they'll save the lefty platoon bats for left-handers when they can face them. But Cortez is lefty. He's going to get the righties, and he just dominates them. That is why I'm so in on Nestor Cortez. 158 innings last year would have gone more had a small groin injury, I believe, um, around yeah. August. Um, yeah. That's okay. I'm fine with that. You know, it's not like a massive arm injury that could return. Sure. Um, and against uh, against lefties, sorry, um, I, I, I take that all back, by the way, though. Everything I just described was against righties, not lefties. I got <laughs> reversed it. That Killed happens. it. But, Strike that, but reverse still, it. a righties against a four-seamer, 23% hard contact, just 164 batting average allowed. Uh, 14% swing strike rate on the cutter, super high strike rate on that too. Jammed them inside. This made a lot more sense for me as I was looking. I was like, man, that's so few against them. Uh, and then the slider <laughs> was a super high CSW, 36% with 17% usage as he snuck it back door. It did make a lot of mistakes when it came back over. It was a little bit easier for them to push it to, to right field. That's why you see a 320 batting average allowed on it. Um, but overall, I mean, Nestor Cortez still, even against right-handers, seeing that 12% swing strike rate. Um, and yeah, he destroys lefties. Fine. I am a huge fan of this. I think that Nestor Cortez is just a solid uh, guy you start every five days. Low walk rate, 6% walk rate, 26% K rate. And 27 in 2021, when he had his stretch in 2021, I didn't really buy it because of the velocity. I should have done my due diligence to buy more in on that heater. Um, I didn't. I'm I'm here now, and uh, I'm not I'm not letting go. Don't get mm-hmm. fooled by its low velocity of 92. It no, is it so matter. effective. Yeah. It is incredibly effective. One of the best VAAs as well, um, and he elevates effectively. Yeah, Nestor Cortez, I'm in. So that was a big change for him, actually. Too. He 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 got five inches less drop uh, over in 2020 um, than what he threw in 2020 in terms of the four-seamer, something that I think Matt Blake and, and that crew really worked on with him. And that that uh, the amount of rise that he gets on that four-seamer, I think, allows him to have more success 
middle middle, which he actually did mm. a lot. Like he had a good amount of middle middle heaters. He only had a 300 Wobon contact on middle middle heaters. That was top 10. Now, obviously 300. You're like, well, that's not great. But if it's a middle middle four seamer. Yeah. Uh, and that says to me two things. One, when he misses in the over the heart of the plate, guys are still getting under the pitch. He had a 42% under on his uh, on his four-seamer, so they're getting under it. Third best overall Woba on middle-middle heaters, too, not just Woba on contact. Um, he also increased the swing strike rate by a full tick from 10 to 11%, which I think was because of the rise that he started to get on that four-seamer. And listen, I mean, this is a guy who's another dude who's outperformed as FIP and Sierra for back-to-back seasons. I do think it is interesting. You already mentioned this, but like it, it he took one IL stint for the groin injury, which I think was the minimum of 15 days and only got 158 innings, which is strange to me to miss essentially two starts, maybe one start. And then he didn't, He I don't think he got scratched any other time. And his IPS, his innings per start actually wasn't, an outlier. It wasn't shockingly low or anything like that. It was actually kind of average, maybe slightly above average. So I am curious to see if next year we can get a full, like, I don't even know if I'll say a full 200 out of him, but a full 180 out of him, because if we can, that's, that's, very interesting. It's yeah, Nestor wasn't of. pushed as much as other starters. Um, 88 pitches per game, uh, which is on the lower end of elite starters. It's not sure. It's not below average 86 in the majors, but there are a lot of guys that just get 80 or some get 70 and they get pulled, and that's included inside of it. Uh, so 88 is like, ah, I want to see 90, 95 even. If I see 95, that means that's usually your guys that will go like six innings or so. We'll talk about those more so next podcast. Um, those real quality start guys. Um, the Yankees will rely on their bullpen at yeah. times, which is you could argue is a negative. 28 starts, 158, though. Say he goes 30 uh, starts, that's about 165. Um, actually closer to maybe 170 at that point. Um, if you had 12 more innings and two starts. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, 170, yeah. sure. You know, that's yeah. So that's I'm not great. really too uh, too against this. And again, 244 ERA, 0.92 WHIP, 26, 27 percent K rate. Kind of repeated what it was in 2021. Yeah, I'm 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 in here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Also, not looking forward to having to face arguably two of the top five best lefties in all of baseball between him and Rodon. If, uh, if you're uh, an opposing team, I was about to say, I thought you were talking like two Orioles bats or something like that. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> Let's move on to number 26 and Tyler Glasnow, who did make a, a, a quick return um, from surgery in 2022 as he came in and threw uh, about seven innings. Um, nice to see that. He didn't take it easy in those seven innings. His average fastball velocity was slightly higher than it was in 2020 and 2021, while the slider was coming in at 91, which is simply unheard of for him. I don't really anticipate we're going to see a 91-mile-an-hour slider from him in 2023. But again, while that's not a lot of sample to be you know going off of, I think it was fewer than, no, it was like 60 pitches in terms of the four-seamer. It's nice to see that it's not the opposite, right? It's nice to see that he's not sitting all of a sudden at 95, 96. He's sitting 97. What are you going to do with Tyler Glass now? I don't know, man. I, I might be too high, honestly, because um, I don't really see a scenario where I draft Glass now at the moment. Mm. I mean, I will also emphasize that with my strategy, I go after the aces of dubs. Maybe I'll, I'll leak into Nestor Cortez there. Um, and maybe one of the two of the guys that we're going to talk about now. But 
for the most part, I'm going to grab something here and then wait some rounds and then grab another. And Glasnow to me is going way too high for me to feel comfortable taking him. The problem is, is twofold. One, how good do you think his fastball is? Uh, how good by by what? By... Just in general, do you think like this is an elite fastball? Do you think this is a poor fastball? Where do you stand I, on that? I would say that it's a above average fastball, if not solely because of the velocity, which allows him to get away with things. Right. I He always allowed a decent amount of hard contact on it. 31% mm. in 2021. Uh, by the way, the samples are really small. 2020, we only saw 57 innings. 88 innings in 2021 and 6.2 in 2022. So it's really hard to latch onto this, but generally this fastball does allow a decent amount of hard contact. Um, it does allow some of the long ball. Um, and he tries to get it over the plate in the right way. Um, what happens a lot with Glasnow is that they guess. If they guess, guess right on the fastball, they actually do hit it pretty hard. Um, if they guess right on the, the curveball, then they don't swing at it. You know, If they guess wrong on the fastball, then... Uh, they get the curveball, the slider, and they get messed up because of the high velocity difference and all of that. And that's kind of the game with Glasnow. Uh, that's the first part. The second part is I I worry that uh, I worry about his health a lot uh, because even though he comes back from Tommy John, we have only seen 111 innings 2018 from Glasnow was the, was the peak. <laughs> but, but remember, too, that's that was just 11 starts. A majority of those yeah. came in relief. Yeah, that's a great so, point, too. 14 starts is the max then. And that was 2021 before the, the sticky stuff ban messed him up and he gripped too hard. And there you go, Tommy John. So you throw in the Tommy John recovery. You throw in the Rays being the Rays. You throw in Tyler Glasson not being the uh, uh, the poster child for a healthy season. There's that. There's also the fact that we haven't seen him dominate in the way that we want him to for so much. 408 ERA, 113 whip, 2020. Right? I'm sure 38% K rate. I understand 9% walk rate. Then he added the slider, 2021, 266 ERA, 0.93 whip. We were 36% K rate. We were saying like, oh my gosh, he's fixed it. It's all there. It's great. That was with sticky stuff. It's gone mm. now. It's it doesn't bad. have that benefit. And it's and it's it's back. Is, is it to the same extent? I feel like it's... Yeah. Like it was one thing and then it fell down. Then it's like halfway there. You know, it's not it's spider back. tack, but it's sure. back to some way. Yeah. But I don't know. But, but right. But I, I feel what we saw in 2021 is more perfected than what we'll see from Glasnow is my point. Yeah. So th- you throw in that stuff. You throw in all of those concerns. And I also wonder, can he get enough strikes on sliders and curveballs to make it so that guys can stay off the, the, the four seamer? Um, I mean, does that really matter? Because the curveball just does not allow any sort of hard contact whatsoever. Is it okay if he just has like an 8-9% walk rate forever and that's fine because the Cipro 9 is always going to be depressed because the slider and, and curveball are just that effective. Um, the strikeout rates are real. That's the biggest thing. Like 35% plus strikeout rates um, are expected at this point from Glasnow. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it like a 5 and dive and a 5 and dive with 6-7 strikeouts? Is it is it just going to be a pick that's going to get lost into the clouds of despair? I don't know because he goes 100 innings, 120, and then it's a headache the entire year. I feel like he's getting elevated into like, oh, he's your SP2 or something. And it's just, I can't do that. I just can't put myself in that way when I don't feel like I need to with so many good options to choose from. 
six, 35, 30. He's about a, a top 30 starter off the board right now by NFBC. ADP. I mean, yeah, I have him at 26, right? So I, I just, so he's right? also a top 100 pick. He's also a top 100 pick. I just don't think personally that I could abide by that with right? the, with the, if you're, I mean, come on, like fewer than a hundred innings since 2018. And again, in relief, I know you brought it up, but it's important. If I showed you, if I just showed you Tyler Glasnow's innings pitch total from 2019 to 2022, you would say, wow, that reliever's worked a lot. <laughs> like, seriously, you would. You wouldn't be like, that's a starter. You would say that yeah, reliever right. has worked a lot. Wow. He had, well, I guess he had 60 innings in 2019 and they just really used him in 2021 with 88 innings, but maybe he was a swing guy. No, man, that's your starter. I don't like if you can't rely on that as an SP2 because yeah. not only are we talk like, that that has a chance to just blow up. Now, listen, I don't think it will in terms of performance, right? My point is, if theoretically he comes in and the four-seamer is off, it gives up more hard contact than usual, and then he gets injured, and then your Roto team was stuck with 70 innings of a three-plus ERA and okay strikeouts, that hurts you. Now, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he will come in and he can be good in the time that he throws, but like, what, where does that put your team in terms of roster construction? Like... That could just really, really put you in a hole. So I think where he's going, there is no risk baked it, in whatsoever. And it's, yeah, it's really hard because I'm likely going to give him an ace is going to ace label. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's going to pitch like one. It's just about the quality versus the volume, right? And I, I tend to these days be a little bit more conservative on the side of okay, if I'm expecting a hundred or hundred fifty. <laughs> And a hundred. Okay. I'm just going to not do that because yeah, I would like some of the guys that are before him. I would rather go with Nestor Cortez. I think Nestor Cortez is just going to be making me happy the entire year. High, much higher Mm -hmm. chance of that. Um, You're going to feel a lot of FOMO at first. He's going to be pitching in the middle of April and May and just dominating and go, I was a fool who didn't want to go after Glasnow. And then it's August 15th and Glasnow is out. You know, it's, it's one of those games for the long haul and it's going to be really tough for me ranking glass now through the year. It's going to be so difficult because I'm going to have to keep baking in the injury risk, but every start he makes, it goes down. Right. Uh, so it's, it's going to be so hard to do. Um, I just, yeah, I don't, I also don't think one last point we're talking, this isn't first it's, it's, I I think he sent a two year deal. So he's got two years remaining with the Rays at the moment, Mm -hmm. which leads me to believe that this isn't the year they're going to be like, Hey, go ahead. You got 180 innings, right? If anything, it'll be the year after that. So two, that makes me think this, this is not, this isn't the angels. This isn't some organization that, that might not know what they're doing analytically. It's the Rays. If he had 88 in 2021 and six and two thirds last year, is he capped? Like, are they going to let him go more than 130, 140? We saw McClanahan go from 123 to 166. So that's about uh, a, a and 40. And McClanahan would have gone 180 if it weren't for the If injuries. he didn't get injured. Yeah. But he did. And likely, sadly, Tyler Glasnow might feel that way too. Anyway, let's move on to number 27 here. We're going to go back to that uh, team up north, stay in the division in Luis Severino. Uh, what are you thinking about Luis Severino coming in? At number so this is really tough because I want to say like, oh, Luis Severino is going to get all the innings, but only 102. And hmm. it was 2018 where he had 191 and then he had the shoulder, then the, the Tommy John. And we got 102 last year, but then there was another injury. And 
when will it end? Right. Mm. I, so uh, it's, it's, it's tough with, I mean, like, I think we can both say that there's a much higher likelihood of Severino getting more innings simply because the Yankees are not going to baby him. Sure. The Rays are going to baby glass now. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to the ability of Severino. It's not, it's not Glasnow because it's not a 36% carry. It just isn't. But mm. he has a very effective fastball. He has a good changeup. He has a good slider. He has this actual this cutter too at times. Man, I, I remember the beginning of the year. I think it was a second start he made. I was I could not be more amped. Yeah. He had three different sliders. He had like an mm. actual like 92 mile per hour cutter. Then he had an 87 mile per hour slider. Then he really had like an 83 mile per hour curve. And they were distinctly different and amazing. And then it stopped happening. And I was so upset because it was filthy. It was so Mm. beautiful. This was against the Jays. And uh, I was like, Severino, you have returned. Welcome back. You are, you've made it. And I mean, he produced last year. I mean, yes, 102 innings. A 318 ERA, one whip, 6.4 hit per nine, 28% K rate. I, I I think he has the stuff and honestly could be better. Um, I think the changeup has been better in the past um, than what we saw. We've seen the slider become more of a devastating pitch. I mean, 39% CSW is not a not devastating pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the classic Severino slider, I think, was a little bit better. Um, the new cutter isn't consistent enough, only a 50% strike rate. Um, it does have a good CSW, but it's just he hasn't been able to rely on it. Actually, kind of scrapped it a little. And I do think that the four seamer can be better. It was in the past 97, 98. It's more down to 96 now. Maybe he does get some of that velocity back. We did see some starts with it. Um, but I I do see Severino going, you know, if he goes 150 innings, this is a stable guy for you. I may be pushing him down. Because I'm not baking in enough injury risk here um, where there are other pitchers that we're about to talk about who I think I'm going to expect for more innings. And is Severino that much better than them to justify Mm. it? Um, But as of right now, I have him in this grouping. And yeah, I might be putting down like 30 by by when we do it in February. I'm convincing myself right now, especially with the Glasnow talk. Yeah, But I really do like Severino stuff. Um, And again, winning ball club. And I think he takes another step forward with another season back from Tommy John. Yeah, I think it's also there's a good chance that the the you know the the K percentage was the lowest since like 2016, where the sample was was far smaller because he was coming in relief. But um, I think there is an opportunity for him to take a step forward there. It seems like he he wasn't as efficient with putting guys away. <clears throat> excuse me, with the four seamer last year, but he was still getting equal amount of swings and misses with the four seamer and the slider. So I think there is an opportunity for him to jump up to a 28% K rate guy over a full good amount of innings. But I agree, like this is where it just gets tricky and where roster construction just really matters because you need to be able to 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 wear that, you know, um, if, he, if he ends up going down. I want to move over to the, specifically these next two guys. I'm very excited because... Oh yeah, we're going a bit it, long on this one, I know. No, that's okay. But it, it, it's, <laughs> it's good because number... Number 28, you might be, I don't, I haven't checked, but I imagine you might be 
the high man on the industry right now. Oh, on no. Him. It's so uh, funny because I was the low man on the industry in October. <laughs> let's so let's let's see. It's number 28. Is uh, Hunter it's, Green. I, I, well, this is this is what's going on. I'm just going to be worrying. Yeah. Hunter Green. I wasn't even going to say it, but like what's happening right now is I'm overcorrecting likely. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I'm likely overcorrecting and then I'm going to adjust back hmm. um, because I, I recognize. I mean, when I did this in October, I bucketed guys a lot I, I like to do that it helps so much for rankings where you just get certain molds for pitchers and you put them together and if you really want to pick them apart saying this guy's two percent better than that one or whatever you're just going to get messed up so it's so much better to say these are the certain types of pitchers these are certain types of pitchers and put them together so i put hunter green in a tier past the injury tier so that is past like lance mccullers and chris sale and kenta maeda and past the stable Toby types as well that we'll talk about next time, but more like Chris Bassett and Logan Webb and Logan Gilbert, etc. And I put him right at the top of that upside tier, like right at the top of it. Um, and if I w- liked him, I would have vaulted him over the Toby tier, over the uh, injury tier. So really seeing that 60 really meant like it was between like 35 and 60, which I know doesn't inherently make any sense, but it was just how I was doing it in October for my own sanity. And Hunter Green, well, he had those six starts at the end of the year that were just so dominant. And that's mm-hmm. when he came back and he was throwing high fastballs and did it incredibly well against really weak teams. And I was really upset that it was against weak teams because I wanted more validation that it was as more, more of his ability than it was actually just the opponent, right? Ugh. Hunter Green is another one of the Striders and, and Javier's. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same story. Four-seamer, near 15% swing strike rate with a mid-60s strike rate on it. You know, the slider, what do you know? 63% strike rate and a 34% CSW and doesn't allow hard contact. Like, it's the same thing. What is an interesting stat about Hunter Green, I believe uh, we saw this in the Discord, was that Hunter Green did not allow a hit on any fastball in the upper third or higher in the Mm -hmm. second half of the year. All of his hits on fastballs were below. And he had the intent of actually going up, right? So if Hunter Green actually learned this and it says, yes, I know how to throw high fastballs now with a really good slider, like the sliders, I think is underrated vastly uh, for Hunter Green. Um, yeah, you have a, a potential breakout here. Now, of course, the home park is not good um, mm-hmm. for Hunter Green. We know this about great American small park. Uh, it's... You know, not the best situation with Cincinnati, you could say, for for wins. It was 5-13 and 13 last year, despite, you know, a, a 438 fifth that should speak to better things, or 444 ERA, whatever you want there. He allowed more home runs than we want, and that may still be a problem to some degree. Um, but he's also just 23, turned 24 in August. I mean... Yeah, this is what development looks like. This is this is like Shane McClanahan, 2021, had a 4.44 ERA with a 121 whip, right? And we're like, yeah, he gets a ton of strikeouts, and the 121 whip is actually still kind of good for mm. your not fully developed season. I also imagine that his IPS is going to get better, 5.2, but 91 pitches per game. He will become more efficient. He certainly was better at this. His last five starts, actually, each of them, uh, sorry, his last six starts, five of them were six innings or more. It's there. It really is for Hunter Green. He's a super fun one. Um, he might be a little bit of a cherry bomb, though. And that's why it's really difficult me- for me to rank him 
But if you're saying, hey, who's the one that's going to be like Strider and, and Javier and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of Hunter Green. It's the same mold of a really good fastball and a really good slider. And that's just what he throws. So I, I raised him up. He could potentially go 200Ks this year. 164 last year across 125 innings for Hunter Green. I mean, it's really hard to compete against that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, like you said, the slider in the second half was elite. It had a 40% whiff rate. On a, oh, on a, I mean, the, a fastball, excuse me, the four-seamer. 40% whiff rate in a 198 WOBA. Yeah, yeah. Sub-200 WOBA over the last month of the season on a four-seamer. That's unbelievable. I think, I, 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 I hear you. I'm into the... Um, I'm into the, the four seamer and I'm into Hunter Green. I think the four seamer is just a little, excuse me, the slider is just a little bit too inconsistent for me. Mm. Um, like with what he can do with location, it seems like still uh, he can leak it over the heart of the plate. Um, you know, he can still, crushed. that's the thing. It didn't, it didn't get hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. 16% hard contact rate, 169 batting average allowed, 247 Woba allowed. X average is 171. X Woba is 251. I mean, that works. You know, when that's not really the play, it's the four-seamer. You just need something you can get a strike with it. Unfortunately, yeah, 63% with a 34% CSW. Um, paired with that, you know, ability to mitigate hard contact, it's, that works. I mean, yeah, there's even more ceiling to it. You could say 33% O-swing. Maybe that goes up. Yeah, maybe. Um, the uh, The velocity it, it, is definitely there. Is it? <laughs> Give me that. Yeah, throws a hundred guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to be cons- more conservative by the end of the day. I'm probably going to have him like a 32 or 33, mm-hmm. just because yes. there are there are some more stable innings guys. That I'm like, yes, this guy's going to go 170, 180 innings, um, and that's going to be really good, and that's cool, but. Uh, I want to just take the chance on Hunter Green so badly, especially as like you can get him as an SP four. Honestly, what, where is he in FBC right now? If he's and like hundred twentieth or so, yeah, one twenty. Then that can be like your draft strategy could be five, six, seven, and then one twenty is the tenth round. Like you could do yeah. that as your SP four is Hunter Green. That's really fun, and then pair him with your Joe Ryan in the in the twelfth or thirteenth round. Like get your hitters early. Feel good about that. I don't know. That's fun. The other guy that comes in uh, next, number 29, the penultimate guy we're going to talk about today, is a guy who's been coming up for me in a lot of just baseball savant queries. And every single time, he's just raising my eyebrow. And that's George Kirby. So he's one of four pitchers that have five pitches with a pitching plus grade over 100, which means that he's got a lot of good stuff in his arsenal. His four-seam in-zone swinging strike rate is top 10. Actually, it's top five. Um, he Pitters are really, really aggressive against him. He was actually fourth in terms of guys who uh, swung most on OO counts. And he also, this is the really impressive one. This is insane to me. The lowest WOBA on four-seam hard-hit fly balls. Okay, the league average... On four seam hard hit fly balls, which is like the least, the last thing you would want to happen to a four seamer, right? You don't want it to be hard hit in the air. The league average WOBA is 803. The second best WOBA on four seam hard hit fly balls was Verlander at 415. And number one with a 386 WOBA on hard hit four seamers that are fly balls was George Kirby at 386. That is that makes remarkable. Me think that is. 
uh, it makes me wonder if that's going to stick. Like, it's Maybe. just not leaving the park is what my my take is on that, right? It's like warning it's almost, trash flies. Sure, but it's almost like what they said with Luis Castillo when he came over. Get the ball in the air because it doesn't matter. We're in Safeco. They're yeah. going to stay in the yard. You know, it's, I know. It, it, it's, it's, it's not Safeco anymore. It's T-Mobile. People keep T-Mobile. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse. Uh, sorry to call it in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly... I mean, I mean, just even staring at this now, like how good the four-seamer is. I know we think about the other guys with it. Against the lefties, it was a 14% swing strike rate. Uh, against righties, it was a 19% swing strike rate. Against righties, oh, that's so, so good. Uh, high strike rates, and so you're going to have the same low walk rates. The 9.3 hit per nine is a big thing, right? Is he going to be able to improve on the 332 BABIP? It was an ex-BABIP of 282. Um, but a lot of hard contact, 26% overall for George Kirby. And I think it does rely on the slider. The stuff is good. Um, I think in general, it's it should be a better one than um, George Kirby's for uh, sorry, I uh, Logan Gilbert because I call him oh. Jorby, right? <laughs> um, but I think there is more of a separation because I think the four seamer is better for George Kirby than it is um, Logan Gilbert by a good amount. And he's just not good at throwing against righties at the moment. It's actually really shocking to me how poorly. Uh, George Kirby slider performs against right-handers. It's just a 21% O-swing. Mm-hmm. Um, he just tugs it too far out of the zone. Um, and that's just something that over time you improve on. You develop on that. And I think we're going to look back at George Kirby this year. And we're going to see in August, what was the big change? Oh, his slider got a lot more whiffs against right-handers. Sure. 8.5% swing strike rate is just not what's not it, right? Uh, 384 batting average allowed on it, 33% hard contact. But we kind of do know that the slider should be performing better than it is. Um, it does well against lefties. It's a good slider against left-handers. Sure, only 15% usage. But he gets a little bit more of an O-swing, 39% on it. A lot more strikes on it. Uh, to 68%, I suppose, it's sub-60. And the the batted ball, way better. 16% hard contact, 167 batting average allowed. All that stuff. So... I think there's a lot to like here about George Kirby. I think the Mariners are going to let him go 130 innings last year. He's destined for 170, 180, just every five days. He's there. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, this young guy gets better in his second season. Uh, so I, I'm kind of in here. I, I think, actually, I'm going to put Kirby at 26 behind Cortez. That seems better to me. I mean, we're talking about Glasnow and Severino and even just like saying it out loud again. I'm like, right injury stuff how can i turn down george kirby yeah for a full year and not I mean, do it i think the 24.5 percent k rate from kirby is going to go up you can make an argument that he throws too many strikes it's a four percent walk rate um and that generally means i mean super high strike rates on the fastballs and maybe he does that and maybe pulls back a little on them so that's a lower walk rate or sorry a better walk rate, but that means he gets into deeper counts a little bit more thus uh, more strikeouts. Something to be said about that. I uh, also his 5.2 innings per start is sure to go up. Yeah. Um, that that just seems weird. Um, maybe they babied him in some starts. I'm seeing some lower pitch counts at times. Um, 83 pitches per game. That's going to go up to 90. Uh, I I'd be really really surprised about that. Um, so yeah, overall I just I, I like this. I wish I I wish his slider and curveball were just a little better. <laughs> Which they were like truly the eye test filthy. But everything I've read about them is that they should be doing better than they are at the moment. 
Um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, I think George Kirby's going to be rising up my ranks. I'm with you. It's just crazy to see that his FIP, which was 299, was better than McClanahan, Webb, Gallon, Valdez, <laughs> Castillo, Woodruff, Cease, Locks. Burns. Walks and home runs were down. That's why. 4% walk rate and he did not allow many home runs. I like it. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, we had two very exciting young guys. Let's go with a boring old fart to end uh, episode number 30. Uh, or to, uh, to end episode number 367. Yeah, Pitcher, just 30. We're 30 on the corner you, podcast. We're doing so great. Um, <laughs> Lance Lid is number 30. Uh, like we said, there's a lot of exciting young arms around him. Were you just kind of perpetually moving Lance Lynn back to see where that kind of like tier would be? You know, be I, 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 I debated this. I don't know where I stand right now, Lance Lynn. I, I think he's just not valued high enough. Um, he just got delayed a lot at the start of the year. And maybe I'm not baking that in enough. 121 innings last year. I was going to go. Oh, he's an injury-prone guy. 157 in 2021. Um, also the 399 ERA. But uh, when Lance Lynn got past that horrific beginning of the year when he was obviously struggling, 7-5 ERA and 153, whipped through his first seven starts. That to me is just like coming back from injury, missed that time, came back, reduced the sinker usage uh, dramatically, which was a 47% hard contact rate, and then was an ace at the final 86 games or 86 mm-hmm. innings with a 252 ERA, 0.97 whip, and a 26% carry. That is exactly what it used to be, right? Um, it, it was near a 17% swing strike rate on the four seamer. Uh, and if you know me, oh boy, I love guys with with the whiffs on the four seamer. It is so good <laughs> to see that. So um, uh, that's just kind of what I see here. I, I see perpetually a low whip, even with a near nine hit per nine, because he has a sub 4% walk rate. It's a 113 mm-hmm. whip. Uh, the ERA should be much better. The strikeouts honestly should be better than a 24%. Um, yeah. Lance Lane is still a really good pitcher. Innings is the hard part here, and I could be overestimating the innings, and I might have to drop them because of that. But we're going to get soon in the 30s, the 40s of where the you know, it doesn't matter about the innings, about, hey, how good is the quality? And to see Lance Lynn, who isn't necessarily destined to be 130 innings, um, he's just going to go out there as many times as he possibly can. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good thing. Yeah, I wonder if that, you know, the knee injury is a little bit of a red flag and the declining innings. I mean, right. You know, it's not like he was I mean, he he had earlier in his career had a few 200 plus innings, you know, appearances did it again in 2019. But I wonder if he's starting to trend the wrong direction as a guy who's going to be in, you know, the age 36 season. Um, uh, And we all, you know, Lance Lynn isn't necessarily the most athletic pitcher I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, (laughs) uh, So I I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I think it's a very valid point. Um, He's another guy, too, that like, I just don't know if we're getting 160 out of him because that would be his highest total. So yeah, here's here's an interesting thing I'm thinking of right now. Because again, as I was, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, like I am going to be as transparent as everything about like I make these ranks and then I shift them around until I feel Mm -hmm. very good about them and I haven't quite gotten to the final state. Yeah, Lance Lynn or Clayton Kershaw because Kershaw's quality of inning is phenomenal. It's just about how many innings you get. And I, I, it's really hard figuring out where Kershaw fits in with like Glasnow and Severino and Lance Lynn to me. Yeah. Um, because well, how many do we expect? 120 from Kershaw? Yeah. 
Probably. But if that's the case, then like how much different from Glasnow and is more strikeouts, but I want to bank on better ratios, maybe more wins with Lance Lynn. I'm, I'm thinking more innings with Lance Lynn, more innings with Luis Severino than Kershaw. Um, mm-hmm. How much better is the quality? It gets so tough. So I might actually just make like a five. Um, yeah, I might just make a five mini person tier, tier. of those five. Um, and just call it a day. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to throw Lance McCullers in there. There's way too much there, and it's not as good, um, I think, with him. But uh, I might just do that and be like, you know what? These are injured pitchers. I'll have Lance uh, Teller glass at the top of it. Um, but I'm probably going to settle on that and cop out a little bit. It's not a cop. It's not an easy thing to not an easy thing to do. What we're doing, not an easy thing to do, uh, to rank all these uh, all these gentlemen throwing balls at 100 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, another great episode, Nick. We did it. Uh, you you all don't know, but there are a lot of technical difficulties on my end. Hope it didn't come yeah, out too much. As technical is a word. Technical. Well, technical explains one break. That's for sure. <laughs> um, the other break was the power outage. The other one, yeah. Nick and I will take to our graves. Um, <laughs> uh no i really don't care about I got it too you. much don't i just worry. can't say what happened on the podcast no. um i can't wait till when spore or mason or zimmerman Text, inevitably like, what happened to you. what happened i say no i'll tell him i'll my, tell him not my secret to tell i'll tell him right away i'll send him a video um <laughs> all right <laughs> that is going to do it for episode number 368 of all the court at the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast and i'm nick pollock and we'll talk to you guys next week 